0: You are children of promise because of our God, not because of you. We're going to talk about that right now. In our series on Genesis, we have gotten to the point where we're in the patriarchs. We talked about Abraham last week. This week, we get to talk about Isaac. And Isaac, the Bible doesn't say much about him. You read the story of Isaac, and you're like, that dude had a boring life. But no! <laughs> the story of Isaac and his wife teach us something profound and powerful. That we cannot miss. Isaac, the child, the, the child of promise. Think about him. Ever since he was born, his parents say, God has his hand on you. Ever since he grew up, his older brother was kicked out before he even got to know him. Because of him. Because God said, I'm going to make kings come from you. I will bless you. I will curse those who curse you. I'm going to bless the whole world through you. I mean, you grow up in a household like that. It might lead to a little ego. But what you know of God is God is for me, who can be against me. If you know, as a teenager, that you're going to have children and grandchildren, you're probably not going to worry so much about doing stupid things. Right? Right? I'm not going to die. Like you actually have God's promise on you as you grow up. God is blessing you. God is blessing your parents. You see the faith of your parents. You are a miracle child. I mean, Your mom is a hundred years old. Everywhere you look, you see God's promise. You see faithfulness as you grow up. And so it's natural in that environment to understand that Isaac grew up worshiping God. That's what he knew. And then something happened that changed everything for Isaac. Everything he thought he knew about God, everything he thought he knew about God's promises, everything was turned on its everything he thought he knew about his parents and their faith. Turned on his head. And Isaac had a choice to make. Let's read the story. It happens earlier on in his life, before his dad dies, obviously, because. You'll see. It says, sometimes later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. I love how he just, like, describes that down. It's like, how many other kids do I have? Oh, I'll take the kid I don't love. Come here, Ishmael. Take the one you love, that one, the one that's promised, And go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. What? This is the child of promise. God, you promised you would give me grandchildren through him. What? We read. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. At this point, Abraham is still faithful. Like he's, still, he's doing what God says, but in his heart, he's like, now, surely not God. Surely not. And Isaac at this point is thinking, well, he's not in any risk. He knows he's a child of promise. He knows he's going to have grandkids and lots. so many kids are going to fill the stars. He's not afraid. Not even thinking what's about to happen. It's like, Dad, you didn't plan well, but he's not thinking about what God has said is going to happen. But God made his command that didn't make sense to anybody, but it was still his command. So we read, this is what happens says, then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Ah, this is one of the most hard verses in the Bible for me to comprehend. How could he do that? But he did, out of faith. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Don't lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. I will tell you that was the last minute, last minute salvation for that boy. He was as good as dead. Isaac felt himself as good as dead. Everything he thought he knew about God died on that altar as he laid there. Was God not going to keep his promise? Was God who said, I will bless you? Did he just revoke everything? And let's not forget that Abraham was like 112 And this boy was 13. My money would be on the 13-year-old if they got in a fight. Isaac laid down. There was a choice he had to make. Everything he thought he knew about God had changed. At that young age, what was he going to do? Was he going to fight and say, you know what, God, I'm I'm out of this plan. If this is how you want to bless me, forget it. Now, Isaac, as a young man, as a a guy who said, you know, everything I believed about God, everything I believed about my faith, everything I believed about the people that I watched worship and I worshiped alongside them, everything of that changed. But God, I am still going to do what you say. I'm going to live by faith and I'll die by faith. But either one is for you that my life will be a sacrifice. And he lies down and he lets his dad pick up a knife, ready to slay him. And then, of course, God rescues him. That's not the promise that happens all the time. You know that Christians all around the world right now say, God, either my life or my death, I will be in faith. But you are worthy. I will live by faith or I will die by faith. But you, you are worthy. Isaac had a choice to make. It was a hard choice. And I bet that 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 engraved something on his heart, didn't you think? Do you think that you would go through an experience like that and and maybe it would change how you perceive the rest of your life? Isaac had this turning point at that time in his life where he said, God, I am all in. He proved it. He didn't just say it. It wasn't in his head anymore. When he was growing up, it was easy to say, God, I'm all in. Why? Because you're going to bless me. Got them all in because your promise is for me. Got him all in because you're going to do all these things for me. And God gave him an opportunity at a young age where he said, I'm all in because you're God. And I'm all in because you say so. And the rest of his life, well, let's see how it turns out here. We we have, he says, the angel of the Lord called Abraham from heaven a second time. He says, I swear by myself. I love that because God can't swear by anything bigger, right? He's like, by me. (laughs) I swear by myself, declares the Lord. That because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. Your descendants will take the possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. God has kept that promise. They received that promise by faith, but it had to take this point. God knew what they were going to choose. God's sovereign. But they didn't know it. God gave them an opportunity and Isaac got to live that opportunity. He got a chance to say, God, am I in this for me, or I'm in this because of you? And then God said, you know what? This is for me, but I'm also for you. Here's his blessing, and it's yours. And then he lives his boring life. He lives a long time. Peaceful. You know, he's the only patriarch that was born in the land and died in the promised land. The next generation, the next, the next Jew that was born and died in the promised land... Was the generation after Joshua, like some 400 years later. Think about that. Isaac wasn't the only one who had a turning point in his life. Was a, his wife also had a different kind of turning point, which is just as profound and just as powerful. Rebecca. Rebecca grew up away from the promised land in a decent enough home, I imagine middle class ish. Why? Because she was carrying the water for the family. If they would have servants to do that, they were rich. Right. But she certainly wasn't poor. So, you know, average family grew up. Things were comfortable. Isaac, on the other hand, was a 40 year old virgin. Legit. Off in the promised land. Didn't have didn't have a wife. Didn't. He was a farmer. His mom and his dad were like exceptionally old. He had a lot of money. He was pretty happy living the bachelor life. But you can't have descendants if you don't have kids. Duh. right. That's like saying you can't have cake if you don't have cake. He didn't have kids. He's 40 years old. What's going to happen? Abraham decides it's time to take things in my own hands. I know it's just going to happen. He calls a servant over and says, hey, come here. Put your hand under my thigh, which is like saying, uh, shake my hand, which I thought is a... I'm so glad we shake hands. <laughs> Aren't you? Put your hand under my thigh. I swear to me this solemn oath that you're going to find from my boy a, a bride, not from all these pagan people we live around, but amongst my family. Because that back then, that was cool. So they go back, and, and he says, I will do this. But it, and he said, but what if I can't find a young lady that's, that's virtuous and worthy? And then Abraham said, well, then you're released from your vow. So the guy goes, the servant goes all the way over to the, where this Abraham's family was from. And then he prays this. And have you ever prayed stupid prayers to God? He tells you to do something. And I'm like, God, I'm so afraid. I want your guidance. I don't know what to do. And he says... Lord God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing beside this spring. See, God, I'm right here. And the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water, which is a great place to find the bride, apparently. It's like the, uh, the, uh, or the Tinder or something back then. And it says, may it be when I, uh, when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar, that may I have a drink? And she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. What a ridiculous request. Did I just throw out that fleece before he even knew what that meant? Because that was hundreds of years later that Gideon threw out the fleece. But he was like, okay, God, if you're really here, if you're really God here, I want to do this and I don't want to choose the wrong one. I want you to choose the right one. So I want your guidance. So here's a ridiculous test I'm going to do. I'm going to ask one of these young ladies, I'm thirsty, and she'll give me water. And then she's also going to feed the camels because that is how I know that this is like good woman. All right? That's how I want to do it. So, God, you do that, and then I'll know. This is from you. And what happens? She does. This, this, this pretty gal comes down, young lady, and he says, hey, I'm thirsty. And she's like, oh, well, here's a drink of water. Hey, you know what? Your camels are thirsty, too. Let me go give them some water. And if you've ever seen camels drink, that was not a small task. Right? We like today, if you see like a big... 18-wheeler, pull up into the gas station, and you say, all right, here, I want to buy you a soda, and let me fill up your tank, too, right? That's, that's a big deal. You just don't do that. She did. And he was like, Wow, oh, this is fantastic, and he gives her all of these earrings and, and bracelets, and she's like, sweet, right? This is awesome. And I looked online. It said she gave her earrings that were a certain weight. It's like, it's like a, um, a third of a pound earrings. Can you imagine that's not a gift. That's torture. But she was happy. And he gave her bracelets said, let me, take me to your parents. And she's like, oh, you betcha. And he goes and he talks to her dad and her brothers. And, and he says here, um, well, I already talked about that. Let's go on ahead. Talks to her, her dad, Laban, and um, that's her brother, Bethuel. And they answered. He told him what happened. He said, God told, you know, my, ab- my, my master told me here, I prayed, this all happened. This crazy circumstance happened and the dad says this, this is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or the other. Here's Rebecca. take her and go and let her become the wife to your master's son, just as the Lord has directed. I know that's amazing. That's a moving God. God moved that man's heart. How many of you dads You have a daughter, right? If she went down you know, to the grocery store and found this dude there that said, hey, I'm thirsty. And she said, oh, here, me buy you soda and I'll fill up your, your, your gas tank too. And then he gives her all these gifts and has this crazy story. You would say, oh, yeah, go back with him. But they were like, this is from God, because God moved in the hearts of her dad. But they weren't willing to say goodbye quite yet. See, the servant wanted to go right away, and they didn't want that. So early next morning, Abraham's servant said, send me back to my master. Mission accomplished. Let's get home. But they said, we want Rebecca to stay with us at least 10 days. Come on, two weeks. You came yesterday. We can't say goodbye to her right now. Let's give her some time. Her brother and mother said, then after 10 days, then we'll be happy. She can go. But the servant said, don't delay me. The Lord has made my mission successful. Now send me back so I can return to my master. This was the time. The servant had done what he was supposed to do. And he said, this is the time. She's going to go. Let's go. Why, why delay what we know we need to do? Well, they said, we'll call Rebecca and ask her what she thinks. So they called Rebecca. Are you willing to go with this man? And they asked her and she replied, yes, I will go. Think how profound that was. Rebecca had this choice. I can live the comfortable life that I've always lived. I have my family here. This is comfortable here. My identity is here. I know that I'm I'm at least I know what to expect here. Or I can go based upon faith in a promise that I've got a better life over there. A new identity there. A new purpose there. She had to choose. She couldn't stay in both places. The time for decision was now and she had to make a choice. And she chose the new life, the new identity. The promise. And she didn't look back. You know, sometimes we read scripture like this and we miss the main point. We say, wasn't that a nice story? I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you've grown up in church. Maybe you've seen and you've worshipped alongside your parents or those around you. And you've seen their faith and you've heard the promises of God. And God, at, at, up to this point, has been pretty good to you. You've been a, prom- a child of promise, just like Isaac. But I will tell you, brothers and sisters, there comes a time in all of our faith when everything we know about God gets turned on its head. When you pray and it sounds it seems like He's not answering. When you're faithful and the things that you're faithful at, He does not seem to meet you there. When, when your faith gets turned on its head, maybe that's where you are today. Maybe God's giving you an Isaac moment. So you can know that your faith is more than just self-service. That you're in this for God. What an amazing thing. So will you lay down? Will you put your life on the altar? Or maybe you're like Rebecca. Maybe you've come to this, this place at church and you said, you know what? I've lived my life for me and my comfortable way of doing things for so long. And I know what to expect in my life. I have my identity. I have the people that I know that I'm comfortable with. But I will tell you that Jesus came to give you a new life and a new identity and a new hope and a new purpose. And you have to choose. Are you going to stay where it's comfortable? Are you going to stay where where you know what to expect? Are you willing to turn and to follow in faith the promise that He gives us? A promise of a much better hope, of eternal riches, of eternal life, of forgiveness, and a new character, and a new family, and a new identity. Are you willing to turn and to do that? At some point in every one of our lives, we have to choose. And today may be the turning point for you. Let's get out your, uh, your, your connection cards. And as the worship team comes up, I'm going uh, to have some suggestions of things that may help you make that turning point. Maybe this week you say, you know what, I'm going to memorize Galatians 4.28. Why? <laughs> Because oftentimes we think of ourselves as small potatoes, right? I'm no Isaac. I'm no Abraham. There's no chapter or book in the Bible that even mentions mine. Actually, there are parts that mention my name, but talking about somebody else. (laughs) Sometimes we can feel like, man, I am so small, so insignificant. How does God's promise really extend to me? You, my brothers and sisters, like Isaac... Our children of promise. Maybe that's a verse that needs to speak to you. That you have a legitimacy of faith. That the promise of Isaac is the promise of ours as well. That ours is a God who blesses the world through his son Jesus. And we get to be part of that. We are part of his family. Maybe this week you need to remember who you are. And why you have hope. And why you cling to faith. Maybe that's the verse. Maybe you say this week, I'm not just going to memorize this. I'm going to meditate on this passage until it becomes real and here. Maybe that's what you need to do. Or maybe this week you say, you know what? I'm going to (laughs) read Genesis 22 to 24. Why? Because you know what? Isaac and Rebecca were real people. And you want to see what faith looks like in real people? Read this passage, because it is the same God and it is the same faith that it works in each of us. If you want some encouragement to see the end of the story, how God meets his people and keeps his promises, maybe that's what you need to read. Or, or maybe in addition, maybe it's to pray. Maybe you need to repent and surrender to Christ. Repentance isn't just feeling bad for what we've done. It's turning this new life, saying, I'm walking towards God. Maybe that repentance for you is saying, you know what? My faith has been easy, but now it is hard. But He is still worthy. And so I'm willing to lay down on that altar, on the wood that I carried up this mountain, and let God be God and just trust Him. Maybe that's what you need to do. Or, maybe, maybe to be like Rebecca. Maybe it's time for you to choose that new life. To walk away from that old life completely. You can't stay in two places at once. Jesus died for you. His offer of forgiveness is for you. New life is for you, but you have to choose it. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you need to join the church. Maybe you've been toying with God, just kind of trying to live in two countries at once. You need to plant your flag and say, I'm with you, God. I'm doing this. Maybe this is the time you join the church. Maybe you need to find your ministry. It's not just about me, but it's about serving God to being all in. Or maybe there's some other... commitment that you know the Holy Spirit is telling you to make right now. You need to write that down. Why? So that our staff can support you and pray for you. That's one of the things I love to do. Maybe there's a prayer request that you have. Do you know that this God, this powerful God that is in all places at all times, loves you because you, like Isaac, are a child of promise? Maybe there's something that we need to join you as a family in prayer with, for. Write that down. Here in a couple minutes, not even a couple minutes, more like a minute and a half, we're going to be taking our offering. As you bring your tithes and your offerings, which we're going to pray for, I want you to put that connection card in the basket. This is an offering of yourself, connecting to God, saying to Him, I am all in. Give Him your heart today. Let's pray for those tithes, offerings, and commitments now. Heavenly Father, You are good. You're not just good. You're amazing. In fact, Scripture says you're awesome, like the true definition, like you bring awe wherever you are. You are worthy. It says, we sang it this morning, that your love is enough. Your kindness is enough. You have made us, and then you purchased us back with your blood. We are double owned. And you care for your children and you have given us promise and we are grateful. You care for our needs and you protect us wherever we go. And you have given us a mission to bring your love to every corner of this world in this community. So, God, help us to follow the example of Isaac, to follow the example of Rebecca. Let us turn and walk in faith and to follow you, that you would receive glory. And help us to trust you. Father, take these tithes and these offerings and these these monetary gifts that we bring back to you only because you care for our every need. You are not slow in keeping your promise. So, Father, help us not to be slow in honoring you with it. Bless these offerings. Bless these commitments. God, build your kingdom for you are worthy. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.